Hello, and thank you for spending some time with us here on the Priority Sale Podcast. I'm Jesse Lafine. I am joined today by Henry DeVries, CEO of Indie Books International. Hi, Henry. Thanks for being here. Jesse, it's so great to be here with you and talk about the importance of storytelling. That's exactly what we are going to do. Why don't we tell better stories? Specifically, why don't we tell better stories in the context of selling or consulting with our prospects as we sell? Before we maybe get into some of the things that that we do wrong and, and how to correct those, I think it'd be really good to start here. Why should we be telling stories in those selling and consulting situations? In these uncertain times, there's something that every business needs, more clients. These are emotional times. And if we wanna have more impact and influence, we need to learn how to be persuasive storytellers. And here's why. Neurosciences prove that people make decisions, buying decisions on emotion, not logic. So how do we reach the emotion part of the brain? We need to take a cue from Hollywood, which has been called the emotion picture capital of the world. Hollywood movies are all about stirring up emotions in us. So as storytellers in a business context, we can tell stories that stir up emotions, positive emotions with the prospects and get them to gladly buy more often. And that should come as no surprise to anybody who has picked up a copy of the priority sale published, by the way, by Indie Books International. Uh, We know that we have to access all of our sales through the emotional, the primitive part of the brain. And stories are absolutely what unlocks that. I think there's sort of two problems with storytelling in a professional setting. Um, I think this is something probably many of us are comfortable doing at a backyard barbecue or something like that. But when it comes to making a presentation or trying to connect this to a problem that my prospect is trying to solve, we sort of fail on two fronts. Number one, we don't do it often enough. And number two, when we do it, we don't do it well. So let's take a look at each of those problems. Um, Henry, you gave me a really, really interesting hypothesis, I'll call it, um, on why we think many of us just don't tell a lot of stories in the in the selling or consulting context. We're afraid to tell a story. We're afraid that uh, they'll look upon us like some grandpa telling a story about, oh, the time I took the hogs to Cumminsville and, and we stopped for blueberry pie and, you know, they have better <laughs> raspberry pie, but your Aunt Marge, uh, you know, she married the guy with the dump truck You know, it's like, where's this story going? So I don't want people to be grandpas. There's a certain time and the priority sale outlines when that time is, because like me, you've studied neuroscience. So the the brain has to go through some other exercises before we get to the story. I like to say we need to be on the same page with what the goal is, uh, what assets they're bringing, uh, what their roadblocks are. And then you can say, well, let me tell you a story about someone who was in your same situation and how they got from where you are right now to where you want to go. I've never had a prospect say, no, don't tell me a story like that. So you need to be prepared. That's getting to the second part of your question. You need to be prepared. You need to have uh, a quiver of arrows. You need to have a repertoire of stories where you can go, oh, 
his story is like Penny Reed's story, or her story is like Bill Woodich's story. And then you start off with that type of story and you tell it in under two minutes, you gain your trustworthiness by proving you're not a poser or a wannabe or somebody with a theory. You have actually taken people from mess to success, from problem to solution. And that is all predicated on the idea that you have those stories to tell in the first place, which is something that we're not always good at collecting. In my workshops, I help people mine these stories. They have them. They just don't know they have them or they don't know how to tell them well. Um, I interviewed one financial planner and I said, tell me one of your success stories. And he said, well, um, this portfolio walked into the office. Uh, the portfolio was underwater. Um, it, it, uh, because of the market crash, former advisor put them all in the stock market. And uh, so the portfolio was upside down and it was causing problems. <laughs> I said, excuse me, does this portfolio have a name? <laughs> they couldn't remember the name of their client. Um, at the end of the interview, I told them, your story's like this. Um, Mary had a successful pharmacy business. Um, she became a widow and sold the pharmacy business with and a financial advisor, put her in the stock market. Then came the crash of 2008, and she lost half the value of her retirement. So she had to go back to work at Costco as a pharmacist. Um, that's when we met her. We showed her how to diversify the portfolio, and we gained all the money back that was lost and then some. But an interesting note, Mary didn't quit working at Costco. She stayed there on part-time because she missed the camaraderie of being with other people. Okay, that's the story. And it's under two minutes. And when they tell that to prospects, they can say, oh, these people can, you know, they really care and can solve the problem. And because you rooted for Mary in the story and you were, you got a nice happy ending. Yeah, I wanted to sort of dissect a little bit of what you did there um, as we transition to the, you know, why, why when we do try, do we get this wrong? A, a walking portfolio should have been the headline in the first story. First of all, that's a real man bites dog situation uh, from the very beginning. But um, you did, you, you, A, you, you named Mary, right? That's important. Yeah. Right. B, you gave us a reason to sort of cheer for her with that little, little tidbit. You need to make your prospect the main character of the story. And you have to make them the victim of undeserved misfortune. Um, she trusted an advisor who gave her bad advice and put her 100% into the stock market, thinking, well, nothing ever happens in the stock market. Um, and then the stock market loses half its value. So you feel for her. And then, oh, she has to go back to work. The surprise ending is that was the best thing for her. Her life was better because she was working part-time at Costco and uh, had something to, and had people to have lunch with and visit with and ended her loneliness. And another, which may seem sort of obvious thing, but I think sometimes the obvious is, is worth uh, stating, 
you mentioned you need to be able to do this in under two minutes. And oftentimes we find ourselves rambling on and on and on and, you know, stuffing details and information into these things that may or may not be relevant, but just in terms of a beginning middle end, right. And how our brains are primitive brains are so good at holding three things and only those three things yeah. uh, at a time. It's the three act structure. It's, um, it's a uh, Harpo Chico and Groucho. It's uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. It's, uh, you know, one, two, three. Uh, so, yeah, the rule of three, it's beginning, middle, of end. It's also my formula is hero, nemesis, mentor. So your prospect, you tell prospect stories. They're the hero of the story. There's a, a nemesis, a villain, if you will. In this story with Mary, it was the crash of 2008. Uh, it doesn't have to be a person. It can be Obamacare, IRS regulations. Uh, all of these things can be that, you know, COVID, uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, you know, whatever your nemesis is that they face. And then you are the mentor character. You belong in the story. I get pushback, Jesse. People go like, hey, we did great things. We do heroic things for the client. So you're getting confused. Um, if you're the hero of the story, you made the prospect the damsel in distress that needs to be rescued. Nobody <laughs> likes to have that be their, their part of the story. You want people to be, project themselves into your story. So when you make them likable and the victim of um, undeserved misfortune, people are thinking, you know, I'm likable. Yeah, I've had some undeserved misfortunes. So they put themselves into the story. And then they see that you as the mentor who gave them advice about closing the big sale or balancing the portfolio, that you be, they're the hero and wise because they followed your advice, did the hard work. It wasn't easy, but they got through to the other side. Everybody's primitive brain, yours, mine, Albert Einstein, Abraham Lincoln, all of us have the same favorite topic, favorite subject right? And it's ourself. And so going in and trying to put yourself into that story in any other capacity is just going to completely shut down the person that you are trying to tell that to. There's nothing in it for him at that point. No, it's about you. It's not about them. I helped a regional law firm in Atlanta become one of the largest employment law practices in the nation by changing their recruiting story. It used to start off with well, let's tell you how great we are and how we've helped these uh, attorneys make more money. And when he changed it around, said, let me tell you about this uh, attorney who was good but struggling. And then we came along, showed him the way, and now he joined and he's, he's making six figures and is happy. He says, when we told the story that way, totally changed the game. Uh, Your primitive brain. They got to the primitive brain. The one that says, uh, uh, fight, flight. Freeze. There's another F it thinks about. But anyway, um, those are the basic things that that primitive fornicate. Those are the basic Fs that it's thinking about. And make no mistake, a recruitment pitch, especially in today's environment, today's market is no different than any other pitch for trying to sell a bill of goods or services or anything else you're doing. Finding the right talent is a priority sale in today's market. People, I mean, I'm not just talking about McDonald's can't get enough people to work. I'm talking about uh, law firms, accounting firms, engineering firms can't get enough of the right top talent professionals to choose them. 
um, you know, the war for talent that was prevented, uh, predict, predicted, the war for talent that was predicted years ago. Uh, we're in the middle of the war for talent right now. Yeah, and you're right. It's across the board. Um, manufacturing, professional services, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you outlined for me uh, when we first started working together, uh, a really sort of simple structure, uh, for trying to understand how to put these stories together. Right. And so, um, it was really about these, you know, why, when, who, what, where those classic words that I was taught in journalism school, um, that I think would be really, really useful, uh, for listeners to understand. So when you're thinking about putting your own stories together, uh, really, how should we be doing that? Yeah. Well, let's start with why. The why is, why are we telling stories? It's because human brains are hardwired for stories. Um, who? The who of the story needs to be the prospect. Someone who is your prospect, someone like the people you want to persuade to join your firm, hire you, whatever the decision is that you want. Um, when do you tell these stories? You don't start with them. Um, in a big presentation, people want to hear your defining story. That's a hidden asset, by the way. Nobody else can tell your story. So you need to tell it. You don't start with it. It tends to be in a presentation more toward the end because people want to know, how did Jesse become Jesse? Um, that needs to come out. Um, in a book, I like to put it in the second chapter. Um, you know, where do you tell these stories? Um, you tell them on the website, you tell them in speeches, you tell them in presentations, you tell them in one-on-one -on -one meaningful conversations you have with prospects. Um, and then what? There are eight great stories that are told. Hollywood only makes eight movies, by the way. There are these eight stories. So you need to know that. So are you telling a overcoming a monster problem story? Or are you telling an underdog rags to riches Cinderella David versus Goliath story? Are you telling about a comedy wacky solution somebody did? Uh, are you giving a cautionary tale about a tragic mistake somebody made where they tried to take a shortcut? Are you telling a mystery? Like it's a mystery, but uh, somebody found the riddle? Are you telling a quest? Is there a prize they're after? Like Indiana Jones is after the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, you know, are you after how to win friends and influence people? Are you after the seven habits of highly effective people? Um, are you telling a rebirth story, a comeback, a redemption story? Uh, the Phoenix rising, what was dead has come back to life. Um, or are you telling an escape story? That's where the hero is in a normal place and then they go to crazy town. Um, and then they find their way out. So in literature, that's Alice in Wonderland or The Wizard of Oz. Um, in business, I, I helped write a book about the prodigal executive on how people get off track and how they get back on track. And one of my authors just wrote a book called Outsmarting, Cra Outsmarting Crazy Town. So she helps corporate executives and many of them go to crazy town and, and their first reaction is, oh, I should leave the corporation. And she says, no, there's a lot of things you can do to get back on track and escape this. And you're probably more valuable where you are right now. Just you need to make the magic happen and create the, the new job you need within. Imagine there's lots of employer stories out there right now where we went to crazy town and back. Oh, well, uh, COVID is crazy town. Certainly. Is. Uh, you know, like. I, we're not fully out of crazy town, by the way, but we're getting there. Um, 
But yeah, everything was going so well in February of 2020. And then uh, next thing we know, we're in our sweatpants and yoga pants and our laptop is off the kitchen. And uh, this is our business world, but we're going to get back. We're going to get back and that'll be the escape story. So oftentimes we hear people tell us, well, that makes sense for Hollywood, but we're not Hollywood, right? Like we're just these you know, folks who are selling these widgets that come off the line or we're selling these engineering services and things like that. And um, I, I think what we're both saying is uh, ignore this at your own risk, because this is the way your prospect's brain just wants to work. This is the way they want to receive. I'll give you two evidence points. For the data dudes, go to Scientific American Mind. August 2008 issue, the cover story is what uh, neuroscience and psychology and anthropology and all these fields have discovered about the importance of storytelling and how to do it right. Uh, The other thing is you can look up the works of uh, Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. They certainly testify that uh, the human mind is hardwired for these stories. It bypasses uh, the new part of the brain to get to the middle part of the brain where emotions rest and also decisions are made. So I always say, if you want people to think it over, give them lots of facts and figures. If you want them to make a decision, give them a story they can relate to. And that emotion, that middle part of the brain is really, really important because what we know is that memory is emotion times repetition, right? We experience a very emotional event once in our life and we remember that forever. But the number for your local plumber on the radio ad is not very emotional, and therefore they have to say it 13 times in 30 seconds somehow. So if you want to be remembered, those stats and facts and figures that are processed in the neocortex aren't, aren't going to be it. Jesse, we did some studies at, uh, uh, at the University of California, San Diego, where I was on the uh, adjunct faculty and the extension faculty. And we found when people made presentations a week later, the people you pitched to only remembered 10% of what you said. And half of that was wrong. (laughs) They remembered the stories and they could connect the story to, and if there was a prop involved Mm. to the story, um, that even brought it home more. And then they, that made you memorable. And that's what you want to be, memorable. Um, Jesse, thank you so much. I I just want to leave with one main message and three secrets. So the one main message is your stories need to be told. Um, Secret number one, use the eight stories that Hollywood use. Uh, Two, use the Hollywood formula of hero, nemesis, mentor. And three, know that your stories matter because human brains are hardwired for stories. So just leave that your stories need to be told. Uh, Henry, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jesse. You can find out more about the Priority Sale by visiting thepriorityseal.com. That's also where you can go contact us to tell us your thoughts or why our opinions are very bad. Or if you heard something you like and think others would like it too, share us with a friend or give us a rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. 
Priority Sale is produced by Tiffany Jordan and Jesse Lafine. Editing and original music by Mark Ertl. Priority Sale is a registered trademark of Revenue Path Group, Incorporated, all rights reserved.